Okay, hey everyone. So today I'm just going to jump right into it. The topic? Nietzsche, unhappiness, meaning, and suffering. Okay, so Nietzsche famously criticizes the English utilitarians, like for example, Jeremy Bentham, for advocating a view of happiness that's all about simple pleasure and comfort. Nietzsche's famous satirizing quote here is this, it's, Man does not strive for pleasure, only the Englishman does. In other words, what he's really insinuating, of course, is that humanity's true end shouldn't be happiness conceived of as as pleasure. That's to say, our aim in life should be something much more than some kind of safe, superficial form of satisfaction. Or, as he says, it should be more than a green pasture happiness. Actually, Bentham's not his only target in this regard. Among others, he also criticizes the Greek philosopher and hedonist Epicurus. Now, Epicurus was unique as a hedonist in taking the goal of life to be happiness conceived of as, well, as a kind of tranquility or peace of mind. Now, Nietzsche calls Epicurus's happiness here the happiness of the sickly. He sees in Epicurus's emphasis on peace of mind someone who suffers from the impoverishment of life and so someone who seeks rest. This is a person, says Nietzsche, who is weak and unable to engage vigorously with the world. Ultimately, Nietzsche associates Epicurus and his view with a kind of decadence. Okay, so I mention all of this to show that, well, Basically, Nietzsche's got a bit of an issue with this idea of making happiness the goal of life, and especially with any kind of happiness or goal of life that's associated with pleasure and comfort. So, the question is, why? What's his problem with this? Well, he's got lots. But let's start with this focus on pleasure or joy. So, in his work, Will to Power, he says this. He says, We don't strive for joy. No, joy accompanies. Joy does not move. So, what does he mean by this? Well, I think he means that joy or pleasure or happiness is is a side effect of doing some activity that's intrinsically interesting or valuable. So, in other words, pleasure is not motivating us. It's not moving us. Rather, it's whatever activity that we're engaged in that's doing that. The pleasure that we get from this is just a byproduct of doing that activity, not the goal itself. So, what's really going on here for Nietzsche? Well, it's that for many of us, pleasure is not our true end. No, what we're really interested in and moved by is meaning. In other words, we do things not because we want to be happy or feel pleasure but because we think it's meaningful. I mean, think of Michelangelo painting the Sistine Chapel, or um, Alex Hanold climbing El Capitan. Did they do these terribly difficult things to be happy? Was that their goal? If all they really wanted was just pleasure or happiness, would they have done what they did? No, clearly not. Rather, what they did is they chose to pursue meaning, not good feelings, even though felicitous good feelings eventually followed as a result. 
And actually, this is exactly what Nietzsche's Zarathustra counsels. He calls out, Do I strive after my happiness? No, I strive after my works. Okay, now, despite what Nietzsche says about happiness, I still actually think that he believed in a, in a, well, let's say a different version of it. A much deeper, more substantial one. One that's inseparable from meaning and from suffering, and so one that's far less contingent on good feelings. Actually, one that's in some ways close to Aristotle's conception of happiness. You see, for Aristotle, happiness wasn't a passive thing. It wasn't given to you. It wasn't about just receiving certain positive mental states. In other words, it wasn't about how you simply felt. For him, you couldn't just sit on the couch all day, enjoying snacks, and call yourself happy. No, happiness was about something that you did. It was about acting and being engaged in the world. And it was about living a complete and a rich and a robust life. Well, to the extent that Nietzsche adheres to a conception of happiness, I think it shares some of what Aristotle talks about here. But, like I mentioned, Nietzsche leans even harder on meaning and suffering in his particular view of happiness. For him, to center your life around pleasure or good feeling, to be a hedonist, is shallow, and it makes you and your life small and anemic and mediocre and even pointless. Suffice it to say, these are not the sort of adjectives that best fit Nietzsche's view of happiness or of the good life in general. Actually, you know, Nietzsche does provide a definition of happiness. He says this, he says, Happiness is a feeling that a resistance has been overcome. Now, that's suggestive. What resistance implies is that you have ideals or aims that are large and difficult. Or, to put it another way, what resistance implies is the necessity of suffering for the achievement of great goals. In a way, you could say that your level of suffering is a testament to the strength of your goals and your overall engagement in the world. In other words, little or no suffering is a good indication of an apathetic or uninvolved life. Anyway, hopefully you see here Now, how happiness and meaning and suffering are all interconnected. So, happiness is no small thing for Nietzsche. It involves confronting problems, overcoming challenges, gaining in hard-fought victories, all the while keeping your sights on the highest of ideals. Oh, and I wanted to add one more thing. I wanted to say that Nietzsche doesn't exclude pleasure from a happy and meaningful life. It's just that, for him, pleasure doesn't come without pain. The overcoming of pain, in fact. And that's interesting. It's interesting because what it means is that if you want to have as much pleasure as possible, you need to have as much pain as possible. The price of the greatest pleasure is the greatest displeasure. But here's the thing. That kind of pleasure, for Nietzsche, is always worth it way better than getting the kind of small pleasure that comes with as little displeasure as possible. Leave that to the mediocre, or as Nietzsche calls him, the last man. 